podcast family, I've said this before on past episodes. I mean, the more years I spend on this earth, the more I'm absolutely convinced that that ancient writer was 100% correct. The writer wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, totally true. (laughs) And there's nothing more true about that than the discussion regarding vaginal prep at C-section. I mean, this has gone round and round for at least a decade. In our immediate past episode, we focused on negative pressure wound therapy devices at C-section and whether or not they were effective at preventing wound complications. Well, in that episode, we ended it with a cliffhanger that we also had to discuss vaginal preps in that same vein. Listen, in gynecological surgery, vaginal preparation prior to surgery has been absolutely demonstrated to significantly reduce the risk of post-op infections by reducing the burden of vaginal bacteria. Does the same hold true for C-section? Does vaginal prep at C-section work? Well, there's a brand new publication coming out in print that is calling into question some past results and recommendations. So in this session, we're going to summarize those results and stay tuned towards the end because we're going to give you a chemical pharmacological reason why iodine-based preps should actually not work in a vagina with ruptured membranes or vaginal bleeding or a vagina that's been laboring in any form. So we're going to talk about all of these issues coming up right now. Intrigued? Well, you should be. So let's get right into the data right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Wait, wait. First things first. I want to discuss the difference between betadine and povidone iodine. I mean, what's the difference between those two things? And I bring this up because sometimes in procedure clinic, I'll say, hey, um, can you give me some, um, some betadine? And they'll say, well, I only have povidone iodine. Um, that's the same thing. There's actually very little difference between the two. Betadine is basically the brand name for povidone iodine. Now, if you want to get technical about it, betadine is the antiseptic solution, whereas povidone iodine is the active ingredient in betadine. Make sense? Betadine has three total ingredients. However, it's the povidone iodine that actually does the antiseptic work. The three ingredients are povidone, hydrogen iodine, and elemental iodine. But the truth is they're pretty interchangeable. And in literature, remember that it's generally accepted to use the generic or the chemical name of a substance rather than the brand name. So rarely will you see papers in print say betadine. They usually say povidone iodine. Both betadine and povidone iodine refer to the same chemical compound. Betadine solution was introduced in the 1960s and it has wide use as an idophore in modern clinical applications. This is not to be used, however, on large open wounds. If you're using it on large open wounds, it can actually cause kidney problems, high blood sodium, and metabolic acidosis. Yep, that was just a quick clinical pearl. Now, as all good episodes have, I'm going to leave off some information a little bit later on into the podcast because there's an interesting chemical property of betadine that, first of all, you should scratch your head going, wait, we're using this in a vagina with ruptured membranes? Um, Is that going to work? And I'm going to explain that a little bit later, but not right now. Well, great. I was just told that that last statement sounded very melodramatic, and they were going to add a little cliffhanger kind of sound effect. So if they did, sorry, that was not my idea. 
Okay, anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the subject that we're talking about, which is vaginal prep. Now, before we get into this new data, let's talk about some important points from some past publications, because these are important, and some of these include even the college's stance. So let's start in September 2018 with ACOG's Practice Bulletin 199. The title of that bulletin is The Use of Prophylactic Antibiotics and Labor and Delivery. There's a specific section devoted to this subject. That section is, quote, Are antimicrobial skin and vaginal preparations effective in reducing infections after cesarean delivery? End quote. So we're going to skip to the vaginal prep area, okay? Here's what the college states. Now, remember, this was in 2018, and a lot of this rests on a meta-analysis that was done the year prior in 2017. So this is the excerpt right out of that practice bulletin. A meta-analysis demonstrated that preoperative vaginal cleansing in laboring patients or those with ruptured membranes reduced the risk of endometritis and post-op fever, but not wound infection. It goes on to say, quote, vaginal cleansing before cesarean delivery in laboring patients and those with ruptured membranes using either povidone iodine or chlorhexidine may be considered. Now, here's a clinical pearl that the college goes on to say. Chlorhexidine solutions with high concentrations of alcohol are contraindicated for surgical prep of the vagina, but solutions of chlorhexidine with low concentrations of alcohol, like 4%, are safe and effective for off-label use as vaginal surgical preparation and may be used as an alternative to iodine-based prep in cases of allergy or when preferred by the surgeon. End quote. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like the college at least gives it a nod to vaginal prep at C-section. I mean, it's not discounting it. It says there could be some value there, whether it's iodine-based or chlorhexidine-based, as long as it's low alcohol content. Remember, a lot of this rested on that meta-analysis that was actually done through the Cochrane database. So I want to review some of those findings real quick. The lead author of that was Haas, and this analysis found a 64% reduction in post-cesarean endometritis, down from 8.7% in the control group, down to 3.8% in the patients that had pre-cesarean vaginal prep. That's a relative risk of 0.36. It's pretty impressive. The composite outcome for wound complications or endometritis also showed a significant 54% reduction in the vaginal prep group. And when they stratified by labor versus no labor, that subgroup analysis found a significant reduction in the rate of post-op endometritis in patients in labor who had the vaginal prep. However, the unlabored group did not reach statistical significance. So that was the stratification between labor and no labor. But what about stratification based on membrane rupture? Well, they took a look at that too. Stratification by membrane status showed that vaginal prep resulted in a significant reduction in post-op endometritis in patients both with and without ruptured membranes. In women with ruptured membranes, post-cesarean endometritis was reduced from 17.9% down to 4.3% in the vaginal preparation group. And for women with intact membranes who had vaginal prep, post-cesarean endometritis was reduced by 50%. There were trends towards slight reductions in post-op fever and wound complication, but they did not reach statistical significance. Remember, that was in 2018. Now I'm going to give you the 2020 Cochrane Review findings in just a minute as we walk down this timeline ending with the recent 2022 publication. But I don't want to leave this just right now because I want us to get the gist of this. So the gist of it is, 
using vaginal prep seems to decrease the rate of post-op endometritis, and there's a trend towards decreased post-op fever and wound infection, but those last two things did not reach statistical significance. But the main take-home point is this. There were no adverse events noted in any of the trials from either betadine or chlorhexidine vaginal prep. Now, that's a big deal, right? Because remember, every intervention that we do, every treatment, every surgery, every medication, it's all about the risks versus benefit trade-off. So here, there was no real risk found and a potential benefit. We're going to get to that at the end when we talk about this new publication. But remember, it's all about risks versus benefits. Now, let's talk about the 2020 update to the systematic review. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now on to 2020. The 2020 Cochrane Review looked at this as well, and this was an update to that 2018 study on the same subject that we just covered. The title of this is, quote, Vaginal Preparation with Antiseptic Solution Before Cesarean Section for Preventing Post-Op Infections, end quote. Good title, because that's exactly what it's looking for. The authors included 21 trials reporting results for 7,038 women evaluating the effects of vaginal cleansing using either popoba iodine or chlorhexidine, and one trial used benzocoin chloride. Don't worry about that one. That's not really done here, but it was still used. And of course, this was looking for changes on post-cesarean infectious morbidity. These authors only included trials that gave antibiotics before or during surgery as is current standard technique. Trials used vaginal preparations administered either by sponge sticks, douches, or soaked gauze wipes. They found that the vaginal preparation group probably reduces the incidence of post-cesarean endometritis from 7% in the control group down to 3% in the vaginal cleaning group. This reduction in endometritis was seen for both iodine-based solutions and chlorhexidine-based solutions. Risk of post-op fever and post-op wound infections were also probably reduced by vaginal antiseptic preps. Subgroup analysis found that these benefits were typically present whether iodine or chlorhexidine-based solutions were used and when women were in labor before the cesarean. These authors also did a sub-analysis and found similar things in 2018, that there was a greater effect for those who were in labor than those not in labor. And again, there seemed to be a trend towards decreased, not just post-op fever, but a trend towards decreased wound complication as well. But it still needed further investigation. But here's that same important thing to remember in this 2020 study, that there was again no adverse effects reported. 
Okay, so let's stop here for just a minute and review what we've done here, okay? So we've covered two systematic reviews and two meta-analyses, 2018, 2020. We talked about the college dance. And I like meta-analyses because you can take individual studies, group them all together, and then see what kicks out. Because sometimes individual reports are like splatter dots on a graph, right? And you need to look for grouping to see what actually kind of pulls out. And that's why I like meta-analyses. Now, this new publication that we're going to talk about that just got accepted at the end of November 2022 is a single RCT. It's still good, but it kind of goes against the grain of these meta-analyses that we've just talked about. But again, I think there's value to both because if stuff is poorly done individually, well, then the meta-analysis is going to be poorly done. But this RCT that we're going to discuss was really well done uh, and again, just accepted in the gray journal at the end of November. But I just want to lay down a quick review of what we've done so far. We've talked about two systematic reviews and two meta-analyses And then that brings us now to 2021. We're walking down our timeline, and we're now at 2021 with the World Health Organization. Yeah, even the WHO examined the evidence. They released a 62-page monograph on the topic that can be found online. Well, what were their conclusions? Well, the WHO found that while the evidence on vaginal preparation before C-section was largely derived from trials using Popovo iodine, benefit was demonstrated overall for any antiseptic, and that includes Popovo iodine or chlorhexidine versus no antiseptic at all. Included trials used varying concentration of chlorhexidine from 0.05% to 0.25% or Popovo iodine ranging from 1% up to 10%. So the World Health Organization, based on their data, made the recommendation that vaginal prep before C-section should be done on all women regardless of their baseline risk of infectious morbidity. In other words, even if they're in labor or not labor, ruptured or not ruptured, that it should just be done. Now remember, they're talking about this from a global perspective, knowing that some countries have less resources than others, so they went very universal, saying don't even risk stratify, just do it before C-section. It's mm, pretty good endorsement, right? Well, if that's not setting the stage, then I don't know what is. But that brings us to the new publication that was just accepted for print on November the 28th, 2022. And this publication is coming out in the Gray Journal, okay? That's the American Journal of OBGYN. The title of this publication is Vaginal Cleansing Before Unscheduled Cesarean Delivery to Reduce Infection, a Randomized Clinical Trial. The lead author is Temming. Now, interestingly, one of the other authors on this study is Dr. Tooley that I referenced in our immediate past podcast on negative pressure wound therapy, all right? So that's the same guy. This randomized clinical trial was done from August 2015 to January 2021 with 30 days of follow-up after surgery. So the final follow-up happened, of course, February 2021. The authors were looking to determine the efficacy of vaginal cleaning when using conjunction with current standard infection prevention measures. Patients met inclusion criteria if they underwent C-section after regular contractions with cervical dilation, ruptured membranes, or any C-section that was done with a cervix at least 4 centimeters dilated. Participants were randomly assigned in a one-to-one ratio to either abdominal cleansing alone to abdominal cleansing plus vaginal prep with 1% povidone iodine. 
all patients underwent universal evidence-based infection prevention methods, including skin cleansing with chlorhexidine alcohol, pre-op weight-based ANSEF prior to incision, except in case of allergy, and subcuticular suture rather than staples. Remember, we talked about that in just the immediate past podcast. Also remember the years that this study spanned. So during that time, the C-SOAP trial came out. That's C-section optimal antibiotic prophylaxis. That was a study that showed that adjuvant Zithromax added for laboring patients or C-section when they had their bag of water ruptured that actually decreased the rate of infectious morbidity when 500 milligrams of Zithromax was added to standard antibiotic prophylaxis. So when C-SOAP came out, these authors changed standard technique to include C-SOAP for the appropriate patients. So again, a very evidence-based. The primary outcome was a composite of infectious morbidity, including SSI, fever, endometritis, and wound complications occurring within 30 days after cesarean delivery. Remember, we just touched on this in the immediate last podcast. There was 304 patients in the vaginal cleaning group and 304 in the standard control group. So what were the results? Well, in this randomized clinical trial of 608 total women, there was no significant difference in the risk of post-cesarean infectious morbidity between the two groups. It was around 11% for both camps. Furthermore, no significant difference was found in rates of surgical site infection, fever, endometritis, or other wound complications. Lengths of stay, hospital readmission, and even ER visits was about the same in both groups. So the authors concluded, quote, vaginal cleansing with popovo iodine prior to unscheduled C-section occurring during labor did not reduce post-op infectious morbidity. These findings do not support the routine use of vaginal cleaning for women undergoing cesarean delivery after labor, end quote. Oh, isn't medicine fun? I mean, these results are completely different from the two meta-analyses that we just talked about and even the World Health Organization's conclusions from just 2021. What the heck is happening here? Well, this is why meta-analyses and systematic reviews have a role. That's why they have a place. Because once again, you take individual studies and then group them together to see where the data points. And remember, and I like these authors. This is a good study. It was well done, but it showed no benefit. So does this cancel out all of the other data we've actually covered? Well, no, it doesn't. But here's an interesting point regarding iodine, because remember, this study used specifically iodine-based products, which other reviews said works. But really, iodine shouldn't work. And here's why. Now, here's why this is really interesting, because remember that most of the other data shows that any antiseptic in the vagina will work, whether it's iodine-based or chlorhexidine or something else. But iodine really shouldn't work in the presence of biological material. In other words, their activity is very limited by contact with blood or tissue proteins. And that's straight out of the U.S. pharmacopoeia. Actually, it states there, quote, iodine is inactivated by organic material, so it should only be applied to clean skin, end quote. Translated another way, hey, if there's ruptured membranes or blood in the vagina, then it kind of deactivates the iodine and it shouldn't work. So that would explain the findings of this randomized trial, but it doesn't explain why other studies found that 
iodine or chlorhexidine. It didn't matter. Both of those were still effective. So it's just one of those things where we're going to have to scratch our head and agree to disagree because the data there is kind of confusing and the chemistry doesn't make sense, but apparently there's something to it. Maybe it's just the simple act of brushing the vagina with a sponge. Who knows? But I had to make that clarification about iodine and biological contact material because it should be inactivated by amniotic fluid and blood. But nonetheless, here we are. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, podcast family, we're at the end, and I'm going to give you my evidence-based take on all this data and what I really think should be standard practice. But before I do that, I want to touch on this issue of chlorhexidine and povidone iodine one more time for vaginal cleaning. Because as we just mentioned, it's kind of strange because the chemistry of this, right, the pharmacology says that it shouldn't work in the presence of blood or amniotic fluid or, you know, biological material. But it does. And that's why there's this disconnect between kind of lab studies and clinical practice. I mean, this is evidence-based. Listen, although a published study suggested a potential benefit of chlorhexidine over iodine vaginal cleaning prior to C-section, another study found that povidone iodine more effectively reduced bacterial colony counts compared with chlorhexidine. Plus, a recent meta-analysis suggested that when compared with chlorhexidine or flagell or even saline, 1% povidone iodine was the most effective vaginal antiseptic to prevent post-cesarean endometritis. Now, if you're saying, well, where's that study? I'm going to tell you. That study was published in the American Journal of OBGYN in 2019, and the lead author was Rochner. The title was, Povidone iodine 1% is the most effective vaginal antiseptic for preventing post-cesarean endometritis, a systematic review and network meta-analysis, end quote. All right, so that's again where a disconnect where the chemistry in the bench doesn't match the real-world clinical experience. So iodine seems to be okay for laboring patients, ruptured membranes, and anybody overall pre-C-section. Now that we're at the end of this episode, what the heck do we do with all this data? You've got this recent 2022 publication, this RCT saying it doesn't work like at all. But then you've got these mounds of other data that say, yeah, it actually does work, whether you use chlorhexidine or iodine, and iodine may actually be even better, despite the fact that at least on bench testing, that biological material in blood inactivates it. Go figure. But here's the big catch. With this potential benefit of reduction in infectious morbidity and no maternal or fetal complications associated with vaginal prep with either betadine or chlorhexidine in any of the studies, it seems to be interpreted in this benefit versus risk ratio. So I am in favor of doing vaginal prep. And if it's not done universally, which is totally acceptable, at least risk stratifying for those in labor or those with ruptured membranes. It is evidence-based. Yes, there's going to always going to be some data points that are going to go swimming upstream against the current. But the majority of the bus, the majority of that wave of that water current is still moving in the direction towards benefit. 
So, due to the overall benefit for all patients and a low-cost and low-risk intervention, this universal application of vaginal prep at time of C-section actually should be considered as being the most evidence-based. Podcast family, that brings us to the end of our episode. You know, sometimes medicine can seem kind of confusing. You're like, well, one said yes and then one said no. But if you actually stop and take a look and take a look at things in total, right, you can really see the forest and not just one individual tree. And that's what we try to do here at Clinical Pearls. The trees are important. It's great. But sometimes you've got to step back and look at the entire forest to see what is the best evidence-based recommendation. So I hope you found this podcast helpful. As always, we're thankful for you. We appreciate you. Keep sending us those messages. We love it. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.